Moving to a multi-fuel future with multiple fuel infrastructures and supply chains is going to require a wholesale reappraisal of risk and safety standards across various industries. And that's before we even start thinking about the training implications at sea and on land. But has that been the priority in the race to decarbonize? From the toxicity of ammonia to the flammability of hydrogen, the future of shipping is riddled with safety standards that are yet to be written. So in this podcast, brought to you in association with Bureau Veritas, I am talking to BV's Marine and Offshore Group President, Mathieu de Tugny, about why the shipping industry needs to rethink so many aspects of safety as part of the decarbonisation and digitalization revolution. Essentially, we need to make sure that a blueprint for safety is embedded at the heart of shipping's zero-carbon transition. So I want to start by asking you, Mathieu, does the speed of change that is ahead of shipping concern you when it comes to safety? So I think it's a very good question in the sense that uh, the decarbonization requires a, a very rapid acceleration in innovation to replace, you know, the... Uh, the conventional fuels that currently dominate the uh, marine transport. But to, to us, the, uh, the speed is not an overt concern. Uh, probably a greater concern is how soon we see the availability of the new and green fuels, uh, Richard. And, you know, as a class society, I like to say that we, we used to develop, you know, new technical and safety requirements. This is our core business for changing uh, times. So, uh, now, I think we have a certain uh, uh, control here, uh, given the evolution of the new technologies. And uh, I think we are adapting as well ourselves in a sense that we have two interesting uh, weapons, you know, in this new era. This is first the digital tools, uh, you know, which will bring better, uh, you know, a decision making process. Uh, and the uh, the second one is probably the new methodologies that we are using to assess the risk. I mean, uh, you, you heard probably, you know, of this move from the prescriptive approach to the risk-based approach using, you know, as a uh, you know, principles. And by leveraging, you know, these digitalization and risk management uh, methodologies, I think we will uh, continue, you know, this legacy, uh, quickly developing safer and probably more relevant rules with more flexibility in the future. So my... my Answer to be clear is no, uh, the speed of change is not a concern. I think we, we can adapt, even though there is an important uh, dynamic, you know, in this challenge we, we all face. Uh, so, uh, yeah, quite, quite confident, quite confident. Which I guess leads me on to my next question, which is whether you think that in this rush to decarbonize and digitalize the industry at pace, whether we have put safety at the heart of the questions that we are asking ourselves as an industry? Have, have they really been embedded into industry thinking? And, you know, if not, how, how do we shift that agenda sufficiently so that safety is now at the forefront of everything that we're doing? Yeah, I think for us as a class society, we, we there is no brainer here in a sense that the zero carbon challenge is no excuse, you know, for safety standards to be compromised. The, uh, Shipping's decarbonization can be even, I'd like to say, a stimulant for driving up safety standards, you know, reducing accidents and losses. So we, we, we do believe that safety has been at the fore of industry debate of future fuels and new propulsion solutions. Just look at the uh, debates over some of the options. You know, there has been no shortage 
of informed comments about the safety issues related to ammonia or hydrogen, for instance. Mm. You know, as a class society, uh, we have a significant program of research and development. You know, in our company, it's about 5% of our yearly revenues, meaning that we put a lot, you know, to uh, develop the uh, safety rules and standards, you know, and make sure that we mitigate the risk of these new technologies. You, you know, uh, whatever the stakeholder we talk to today, uh, safety, you know, is the first item of the agenda. When you assess uh, a new uh, technology, for instance, the first question is how to mitigate the risk, you know, uh, the risk in terms of safety uh, related to uh, the operations or related uh, to, uh, you know, bunkering or whatever. So, yeah, honestly, uh, I think we have never been so busy, if I may say, in that respect. So, uh, no, quite uh, quite confident that safety is really, uh, you know, uh, on the agenda of this uh, transformation. But I like to add a note here, uh, is that in this safety approach, uh, we, we are convinced that the CFROs as well should be very involved, you know, in the design and development of the new technologies, rather than just simply trained once a new system is deployed on board. What I'm saying is that, you know, we need dialogue with the CFRs, you know, to mitigate the risk. And this is part of our BV strategy as well. And I think we are on track in that respect. Well, that, that leads me nicely on to that, that point about training, training, because, you know, the changes ahead in terms of technology and infrastructure, that's pretty seismic. But perhaps the greatest immediate challenge is going to be in terms of how we upskill and recruit a new generation of marine professionals. And I'm talking both onshore and at sea. Do you do you think we have a, a training emergency on our hands as an industry right now? That's uh, definitely a very good point, and I think it's not only a point, you know, for the shipping industry, but any uh, industry, you know, all over the world today. Uh, building a modern industry will definitely require new skills, you know, new talents and new people, uh, just because this is new. So training is absolutely vital. As we saw, if you remember a few years back, the introduction of LNG as a marine fuel. So we need a workforce with new skills and expertise, you know, to handle that fuels. So uh, there is definitely uh, the importance of a knowledge transfer, you know, from class to the wider industry. And this is why we are investing, uh, as I said, you know, uh, in the training of our surveyors in research and development to make sure that we'll be able to transfer, you know, the knowledge and skills to, to support the customers. So uh, that's, uh, we don't foresee in that respect a training emergency, but there is no doubt that shipping faces a fight for talent that is only going to get worse. Mm. I'm convinced about it. So we are not uh, unique in requiring, uh, you know, new skills and talent. Because there are many other sectors, uh, as I was saying, chasing exactly the same qualities. So we need to do everything in our power to make, I think, the maritime career an attractive one. And I think there is a long way to go here to recruit, you know, and, uh, and retain uh, talents. That means we need to adapt as well our organization to the new generation. You know, that could be a homeworking, flex office, relocation, career development and so on. But I think any and every company needs to have a strategy in that respect. This is essential. And, you know, 
BV, we are involved in the different uh, working groups, uh, including at the GMF All About Alliance, for instance, joining uh, key programs to drive diversity both at sea and onshore, as you were raising the point. I think here we can gain a lot as well in terms of diversity, uh, you know, uh, and new skills, of course. So it's a topic. It's a topic, of course, Richard. And your role as a class society in that is, of course, key because we're talking about changing some of the fundamental ways of working in this industry. And class is really that point at which new stakeholders uh, and systems and fuels and infrastructures need to be joined together in terms of how we think as an industry. Just give us an idea of, of the challenges that a class society faces right now in terms of making each part of the uh, the, the the value chain joined together and, and the various stakeholders, old and new, understand all of those changes that are coming ahead because that's, that's no uh, mean feat ahead of you in terms of what you need to do uh, to join the dots, I guess. Yeah, indeed. You know, as a class society, we are the cross, you know, of many roads. I mean, between a lot of different stakeholders. Uh, now, what you say, you know, it goes to the heart of the role of the class societies. You know, uh, the core business is to build the trust between the different maritime uh, stakeholders. So our uh, standards, you know, are expressed as rules, you know, and we provide guidance and our certification is a currency of trust, if I may say, used between owners, charterers, insurers, and increasingly other stakeholders such as banks today. Uh, so this is all supported by our direct relationships, you know, with these different uh, stakeholders. But this trust, I think, also rests on our credibility as ethical, independent and expert parties. That's very important as far as we are concerned to be neutral, you know, and bringing, you know, this technical expertise and operational excellence through the rules, through the surveys, through the risk assessment and so on. And I think what happens today in terms of uh, shipping transformation and new energy, we have a fantastic opportunity you know, to value further the engineering profiles in the class societies. So that's uh, our role, I would say our purpose to endure, uh, but as well involve, you know, uh, safety will be always our first priority. But how we meet that challenge and the tools at our disposal will change uh, with the times. So this is where we can bring a lot of added value to these different stakeholders. Mm. And I think it's fair to say that those stakeholders are not uniform in terms of their approach. We have an industry where you know, the likes of Cargill and Maersk, for example, as the big players visibly making changes at the top are doing things differently. But that's not the lion's share of the industry. The industry is a fragmented sector full of small to medium owners who, who who don't own two to three hundred ships they they own five ships or less in some cases do, do you think there's a danger that we view this as a, a homogenous step forward when actually it's not it's a series of changes and it's not going to be linear and that perhaps implies that you know we are going to have a tiered industry ahead of us and what does that mean for safety if that's the case yeah, indeed. I, I would say that this is only a danger if there are segments of the industry that slip below the agreed, uh, how to say, minimum standards, you know, as laid down in a regulation. Mm. 
But in a sense, uh, what we can observe is that there have always been uh, tears uh, as some owners seek to go well beyond, you know, the regulations and duties and rules to reflect their higher standards beyond compliance of certain markets. So to us, this can only be uh, positive. We, we are already seeing, you know, a degree of differentiations, you know, in standards between different jurisdictions and regulatory regimes. Uh, for instance, EU regulations, you know, the FIT45 and the EU ETS. But I think that, you know, we have to welcome those who want to push standards, but eventually you want to see global standards catching up to provide a clear regulation floor, a foundation underpinning everything. This is something we observed, you know, in the past. And by the way, I think HIACS has a strong role here to leverage the minimum uh, needed requirements, you know, in this transformation. So I'm confident. I'm confident that as far as the rules and standards are concerned, you know, we should leverage at least a minimum of requirements uh, worldwide. You're not concerned that that lowest common denominator standard is somehow going to be uh, fragmented and you're going to be dealing with multiple safety standards rather than a singular one then? Now, I think that we may have different standards, but the important thing I was saying is that we need, a, we need a minimum of standard. And this is where the class societies have a role to play, of course, to make sure that this minimum of standard will be, you know, uh, uh, implemented and respected. Mm. Now, the top of that, of course, you may have additional, uh, you know, standards to improve uh, the performance of the quality of different topics. And, you know, in our class business, this is what we call the additional class notations, because we have, of course, to recognize that to a certain extent. So in that respect, you may, you may see different levels, you know, of uh, optimized, you know, conditions or standards. Mm. OK, we, we've talked in general terms, but we need to look at some specifics, particularly around the emergence of alternative fuels. Today, you know, we, we have a handful of fuel types and bunkers that we have had, you know, decades and decades of experience dealing with. We know what we are dealing with as an industry. But if we're talking uh, about the new fuels, you know, everything from the toxicity of ammonia to the flammability of hydrogen, the future shipping is going to be riddled with safety standards that as yet are not written. So do you have any concerns around the quality control issues of the new fuels coming in and how we get from where we are today to the safety standards and infrastructures that we need to introduce so rapidly? Yeah, yeah, and no, it's, it's, it's a point, uh, especially moving away, you know, from the heavy fuel oil, uh, you know, uh, that we have today with sometimes, you know, some quality uh, issues. Uh, now, having in mind that we're going to move, you know, with cleaner fuels, uh, we, we can see some, uh, let's say, improvements. For us, for us the, uh, the new challenges may not be the interesting quality of the fuel uh, as we are used to them, but probably more clarity over the well-to-work profile. And that will be the topic for tomorrow. How green is it? What has its carbon journey been? Uh, I think this is an area where, where BV is putting a huge amount of work. This is something that you, you, you can, uh, let's say, uh, read, you know, in our latest white paper alternative fuel, uh, uh, that we released at uh, end of last year. Why? Uh, because I think it is very important, of course, to trace, you know, the original of the fuel if you want to be efficient in the future. If I just take the, the example, you know, of the biofuels, for instance, you know, we talk a lot about biofuels today, which is a, an interesting, I think, illustration here. 
the sustainability of the biofuels, you know, will depend on the nature of the feedstocks used, of course. And monitoring uh, indirect land use change is essential, I think, to ensure the biofuel production, that the biofuel production does not lead, you know, to a detrimental effect on the environment from a global approach perspective. I think uh, EU is very, uh, very uh, stringent now about this uh, follow-up. And I think that will be, you know, the question for the years to come. So uh, quality, but in a different way uh, that probably uh, we have in mind today. Well, there you have it. It is clear to me, at least, that the next 20 years are going to be hugely transformative for shipping. And class societies, well, they have a critical role to play in ensuring that shipping remains safe and reliable as we look to rapidly adopt new technologies, new fuels and new cargoes. My thanks to Mathieu for offering such a clear-sighted vision of the role that BV sees for itself in mitigating that risk. Thank you for listening. Thank you.